0: For Lean Blog Audio, I hope that will give you something else uh, that's food for thought, something else to help you in your lean journey. Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, welcome to episode 187 of the podcast for September 26, 2013. My guest today is my friend and co-author Joe Schwartz. We've worked together on the books Healthcare Kaizen and the most recent The Executive Guide to Healthcare Kaizen, and you can learn more about the books at healthcarekaizenbook.com. Joe is the Director of Business Transformation at Franciscan St. Francis Health System in Indianapolis, and in this episode, we're going to talk about his personal background with um, continuous improvement how we first got into healthcare, about the same time I did in 2005. We're also gonna talk about how Franciscan got started as an organization with Kaizen, some of his favorite examples and what some of the key management principles are that they're teaching uh, to their leaders within the health system. And Joe also uh, talks about the work that still needs to be done in their cultural transformation. So you can find links to the books, um, to Joe's bio, and more by going to the blog post for this episode at leanblog.org slash 187. Well, I'm real excited after working on uh, books together with uh, my my co-author here. We finally have Joe Schwartz as a guest on the podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for inviting me, Mark.
0: So, I I know the whole story, but you know, we've got listeners, uh, this time we've talked so often. uh, If you can introduce yourself, though, for the listeners, uh, a little bit about yourself and your professional background to get started.
1: Sure. Um, I was an electrical engineer in undergrad, Um, did uh, computer programming for a number of years, for about seven years after that. I think the engineering was a good background. I know it's your background too, Mark. Yeah, I think it it helped. focus on problem solving and uh, design. I know when you're an engineer in school, they give you a a thousand different problems to work on. So I'm used to working on problems and used to thinking about how to design the system to produce the right results. I think that was a really good background for where I ended up in healthcare. Um, After a a while working out in engineering, I kind of got the inkling to kind of work with teams and my dad had been consulting for a number of years, so I asked him to kind of take me out on the road and show me what he does. <laughs> <laughs> so took me to a few places, and I remember one place in particular just blew me away. We went to the Cadillac plant in Livonia, uh, Michigan, and uh, I remember some of the work they were doing there was just amazing. They had taken a uh, process from a process to. to um, bring parts in from a supplier um, to assembly on the engine. They took it from like 20 major steps down to five major steps, and it had dramatically redesigned what they had done. But another piece of that whole puzzle was the, um, the people. I saw lots of enthusiasm, lots of engagement. I saw joy at work there at Cadillac, and uh, Dad took me to a few other places where I didn't see that. And they struggled, so I knew there was a clear difference. Whatever they were doing there at Cadillac, I needed to learn more about. Yeah. So uh, Dad gave, handed me a book. A lot about social technical systems. He gave me a book that a few people had written about the Livonia transformation. It's called Transforming the Workplace. Um, and I read that, and it talked a lot about idea systems and uh, what Toyota and Honda and Nissan had had done, and compared to the U.S. Um, it was really all about engaging the human, the human element, and balancing it with the technical solutions, and that really got me intrigued. I wanted to know more. How do you create an organization like that where people are designing the right processes, but they're all super engaged, and you can visibly see joy at the workplace? Um, so I asked Dad. I said, "Hey, uh, I think I'd like to do that kind of work." Mm-hmm. I said, "What would I have to do?" And he said, "Well, you'd probably have to go back and get your master's degree." So I signed right up, went to Purdue and got a master's in management. And then uh, on graduation day, I called Dad. I said, "Dad, I'm ready." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Okay, let me line up some work for you." So the first job we got was in General Motors, and uh, learned a lot through that experience. We worked at the um, engine engineering plant in, in uh, there, there. in uh, Michigan. And we redesigned how engineers engineered their product, which taught me a lot about innovation and creativity, how people work together to produce uh, good conceptual content, concepts. Mm-hmm. And then I worked in a whole bunch of other places with dad, um, engineering, manufacturing, uh, semiconductor plants, pharmaceutical plants, uh, metal forming plants. We worked automotive, aerospace, uh, um, we were just all over the map, but I learned a lot through it. But one particular client in particular, sorry, um, Spraying Systems in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's a metal-forming place. They make spraying nozzles. And there we kind of experimented on uh, how to engage all employees. And the uh, president there really pushed the engagement of all employees. He asked, He wanted all employees engaged in implementing lean, and very knowledgeable about the lean, so we ended up teaching lots of concepts about lean mm-hmm. and employees to um, implement those, and I think all those experiences carried over to uh, kaizen. Uh, that um, that I know your heart's mm-hmm. so. Yeah, so you know, it sounds like
0: you went to, you know, the the dark side of being a consultant for a while and I, I say that jokingly of course as a, as a consultant myself. Um but then, you know, you've been with your health system for for uh, you know, as long as I've been bouncing around as a consultant and that and that's why I always appreciate hear, hearing your stories about what you've done, you know, in such great depth there at Franciscan. Um can you talk a little bit about your transition? Into healthcare and how you brought these ideas, uh, you know, in this passion for engaging people in improvement and innovation, um, you know, how how you brought that into, you know, this important industry.
1: Sure, it was in uh, 2005, about the same time you got started in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um, Some Purdue professors were helping St. Francis Hospital get started with a, a Lean Six Sigma program, and they knew Six Sigma very well, and they were looking around for someone who knew me, And uh, uh, Tom Pearson was working with them, and Tom suggested my name. So they invited me in, and I came in and worked with them. And uh, we um, did a bunch of work, not just there at St. Francis, but all the Franciscan Alliance hospitals in Indiana and and in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And after about nine months there, St. Francis um, decided to hire me. And I said, yes, right away, mm-hmm. uh, because of the, uh, I think I wanted to work for a faith-based organization. And I liked the idea of healthcare, and I was learning a lot, and it seemed like a, a growth place. So that, that started that. I started in uh, January of 2006. And I remember not long after I got started, I ended up calling you, Mark, and mm-hmm. Your brain and figuring out what you were learning in healthcare, and I think that's kind of what started our uh, collective, um, um.
0: yeah, our, our collaboration. And you know, Norm Bodek was uh, a common thread. Uh, it was it was Norm who introduced us. I remember Norm reaching out to me and saying, "Hey, you got this guy Joe Schwartz. You should meet. You're both working in healthcare, and I'm really glad that uh, that Norman did that." Um, did you meet Norm before? You got involved working uh, at, at Franciscan, or was that after you were there at the health system?
1: Yeah, dad, um, my dad worked with Norm. Um, Norm had a consulting company named Productivity, and Dad would come in and help him when they ran into problems. When they'd get a job that just wasn't going well, they'd bring Dad in. Um, I think Dad uh, Norm had at one point called Dad the best consultant he'd ever seen. I, I think mm-hmm. he still feels that way. Mm-hmm. Today, but always, there's a great admiration between my dad and Norm um, on many levels. So, uh, I had known Norm since probably 1989. Mm-hmm. And so then you had an opportunity.
0: At, at what point to bring him in? I mean, you know, Norman was. Um, you brought him in to help kick off things about Kaizen. Um, so maybe you tell some of that story, but you know what was some of the you know, the background of what you saw at Franciscan uh, beyond the the lean and six sigma work that made you think that you know this approach to kaizen was uh, something that y'all needed.
1: I knew from my previous experiences, you know, Liv- Livonia and uh, the company in Chicago, Spring systems, that at some point I needed to engage all employees to really get my job done. They had brought me in as the director of business transformation and pretty much said your job is to transform us into a organization that does continuous improvement. So I kind of took it on as well that's my job, the whole organization. So we were doing Lean Six Sigma projects at the time and we could do maybe ten a year. And You can engage fifteen to twenty-five people per project and you know I I looked out in the future and it would take twenty years or thirty years (laughs) for every employee. So I really needed something that would engage every employee starting right away. Uh, so, I looked at the work we had done at spraying Systems and and I really needed something really simple to start with in healthcare. And Norm had written a book called um, The Idea Generator and he really spelled out how to dramatically simplify um, engaging every employee. So, I took Norm's work and I tried to even simplify it further and um, started implementing a Kaizen. there. brought Norm in and. Um, April 2007, the kickoff, we had him meet with our uh, senior management for an hour and then we had him talk to our managers on up, about 250 people for three hours to kind of talk about what quick and easy Kaizen is all about and then we launched the program the next day and we've been learning ever since. Um, He came in another year later and kind of took us up to another level Uh, it's been growing and learning since then. And and then I've been dialoguing with you, Mark, since then. And I, I know you were going through a similar discovery. Um, and, and, um, I think we're both headed down the same path.
0: Yeah, similar paths. I mean, Norm's work, uh, his books, and then having a chance, um, when I was at uh, Johnson and Johnson, we brought Norm in to uh, speak at a, um, a client conference and, um, his his work was really influential and uh, was a, a really big part of what I was helping bring into different health systems. Um, but you know, I've, I'm always so impressed. You know that you've been working at this, and and your leadership at Franciscan, uh, you know, including your your CEO and COO and medical leaders and leaders at all levels have been so committed to this. You know, the people who haven't seen some of the data that you've shared. In the book, and I went back and I added it up again today. There's been at least through the end of 2012 uh, over 17,000 formally documented Kaizen improvements um, that that uh, that you've done, and it's just you know really impressive to see you know how that's become part of the culture, and um, but yet there's still a lot, a lot of work to do. So maybe we can come back to um, to that point, but. Um, you know, talking about some of the successes so far, um, you know, you have different types of Kaizens. Um, what, what are some of your favorite types of examples of um, the types of things that people uh, are improving through your Kaizen process at Franciscan?
1: Well, my favorite is just when they start really simple. Um, we ask all, <clears throat> all our employees to start with something they can control themselves, not try to change other people, but first start by changing themselves. Um, and then, as they get better, change um, their workplace change the their coworkers, and then eventually they'll start changing um, things for the patient for the hospital um, but really start simple one of the one of my favorite is the bubbles for babies kaizen uh, that came to us early in the program, and I was um Looking at every Kaizen coming through early. And that one came in, it didn't have a title, and um, it, it was a jewel. I picked up on it right away and I worked with the Kaizenier to rewrite it, and we added pictures. Um, but, you know, th- that one was a nice one where I had the opportunity to title it, so I wanted something catchy um, and thought about it a while and uh, thought bubbles for babies really just. Dis- perfectly. Um, That one's really special because it shows how something that's good for our patients can be good for the families and it can be good for our workers. Um, It made the uh, experience of ultrasound more enjoyable for the worker. And I was really searching for joy at work. How do we produce joy at work? And that was a perfect one that says hey we can produce joy at work for everybody including our organization that was good for the organization too, because it shortened the procedure time by making the baby have a great experience and you know it was good for society in general so it was good on so many different dimensions I think any of them that are win-wins for our staff and our patients and for our hospital those are the best. Oh, and, and
0: there's so many examples in the book of things that are so, you know, I, I think thoughtful and caring towards the patients. And you know, I love how you know you've collected so many quotes and talked to people in the organization about about how that's meaningful um, to them. Um, can can you talk a little bit more about those connections between, what's good for uh, the, the patient and, and how that also creates a better work environment. I mean, it really goes hand in hand. One one leads to the other, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if um, the patient has a nice experience, they're going to treat our employees very well and vice versa. If employee feels, you know, respected, they're going to treat the patient really well. But, you know, should employees should produce that respect on the patient to begin with. But it's, it's not always the case. Yeah. But if you can produce that synergy where they both are respecting each other. And um, <clears throat> and I really wanted to convey that. <clears throat> I mean, all the Kaizens that I picked as notables that we sent back out to staff, I really wanted to keep messaging to them that it, it's it's important that they start out by doing things that are good for themselves. But at some point, we need to think about the patient in the organization and society in general so I kind of message tried to message a combination of things good for staff and good for patient and good for the family and good for the community and good for the hospital just kept messaging that over and over and over again and um, staff picked up on that and they said okay those are the kaizens that they really like so they started doing more of those yeah. and it, pro- it produces the culture we want
0: and the the culture, I think, is so you know, noticeable. And, and when, when I've had a chance to visit and talk to people and walk around, um, you, know, you see how real that culture is. Um, I think we'd probably agree leadership has a really big part to do with that. You talk about, you know, um, you're talking about managers encouraging people to do things um, that, that are small, encouraging them to do things that matter, encouraging to improve things that impact the patient experience. Um, what, what are some of the other key things that that you and your senior leaders are emphasizing in terms of some of the, the behaviors or approaches that your leaders take to really encourage Kaizen?
1: Well, I think it, you're right. It, so much of it is driven by leadership. The departments that do really well are run by leaders that are passionate about Kaizen. Hmm. Um, so anything they do to drive home the importance of Kaizen and message it back to their employees drives Kaizen. Um, If the employees see managers making it important, it's important to staff. Um, So the leaders that really drive Kaizen are constantly saying, oh that's a Kaizen or um, do we have any new Kaizen this week? Um, Do we have some Kaizens we need to talk about? You know, they're always asking and messaging and making it a high priority in their agenda. They're always talking about it.
0: And I saw that firsthand of, you know, seeing managers walk around in, in a very friendly, you know, supportive way, talking to nurses, talking to people, asking them um, for, for their ideas. Um, what What role does the manager play? In helping the employee make the improvement happen, I know this is one thing people ask me about a lot. I think people are used to a system like a suggestion box, where the you know the employee throws a suggestion in the box and then you never sees or hears anything about it ever again. But I know the style um, that that y'all are doing is much more uh, collaborative and, and participative. Can can you talk a little bit about you know some of the you know just uh, I guess practical details. If if you were a manager, an employee came to you with an idea. What would you do um, in in response then?
1: Um, you know, so respect. You first thank them for coming up with the idea and appreciate them and their idea. Um, just an interesting story. I, I had a manager uh, come to me, a new manager a few months ago, and she said, Joe, this Kaizen thing's just taking too much time. And I said, oh, how much time is it taking? And she said, well, it's taken me about a day a week. And I said, really? Tell me about it, how, how you're doing it. And she said, well, they come to me and they want me to do this and this and this and this. And I said, oh, well, <laughs> what you got to do is turn that around. You shouldn't take on, as manager, you shouldn't take on any of the work. You should coach them for them to take on the work. So um, after she shifted that back on them, she it freed up all kinds of time for her to focus on the future and it empowered the employee to figure out how to do do the work. The, the supervisor, the manager is supposed to coach the employee on uh, the idea first. How do we take this idea, this rough idea and change it into something that we could implement in our unit or uh, you know, across other units? And then, how do we do that? Um, who do we need to engage and involve? Uh, who do we need to talk to? Uh, what steps, you know, an implementation plan step by step? Here's how we would think about doing it. And then the manager is supposed to turn that back over, not take any of it on, but turn it over to the person with the idea and have that person run with it. And of course, they can come back to the manager and ask for further coaching, but that person is supposed to figure out how to make that change. And it's a little rough at first, mm-hmm. um, but they learn. And this is all about developing people.
0: Right.
1: We're developing a culture of continuous improvement. And what the managers that do this religiously have discovered, is they have more time now to focus on the future. They have a staff that knows how to do all these things now. And the manager doesn't have to take any of this on. And the department runs by itself, and the manager can really focus on what they should be focusing on, developing the developing the future
0: and I I think that's one of the hardest things to try to convince people about Um, managers are already generally really overloaded and swamped and you know they look at a Kaizen process as being just one more thing they have to do and um, I'm glad you have those examples to share of of trying to help convince leaders that uh, you know if you put that time into it that you invest that time uh, it does pay off and, and free up time when you're you know, reducing waste and you know, not having to take on every single thing as your own project as a manager, that you get to distribute that workload among the team. Um, are, are, there, are there particular things, just, you know, as a follow-up question, that your managers do to help make sure that staff have time because they're really busy generally and, and have a lot of things on their plate? How do you make that time available to work on Kaizen?
1: Um, the the bigger projects they can bill their time to my department but that's just for the, the bigger projects okay. generally that's a tough question um, because you know it's a chicken and egg thing really you have to carve out time to gain time so it it takes a few months but if if the manager can trust the process and find the time for staff somehow um they'll, it does it may take a number of months but they'll start finding that there's extra time for people to work on stuff like this Um i've seen it in department after department after department at, at our hospital and other hospitals that have adopted this is first few months is a little rough you have to find extra time you have to carve it out and be really uh... Um, um, deliberate Um but over time it kind of takes a life on, on its own and you actually find you're freeing up more time that gives you more time it's kind of a life cycle the more mm-hmm. time get, the more time you find to work on stuff that gives you more time the converse is also true you know you get involved in this death spiral where mm-hmm. less time there is the less time there is to fix problems and work on stuff and the worse it gets and pretty soon you know there's just no time and you're overwhelmed right so you got to dig out yeah and
0: uh like you said i mean like a lot of things it it gets it gets more difficult before it gets better Um, trying to eliminate waste and improve processes is tough and i I talked to somebody the uh the other day that was you know sort of um, kind of going through some of those struggles at first it was real exciting they were doing you know a lot of good improvement work and then i think the one challenge you know, is really how to make this not just continuous for a month or two, but really continuous in a in an ongoing, never-ending way. I mean, I think that's where it's real impressive that you guys have been working at this for seven years. The the last three years have been uh, pretty equally strong in terms of the the number of kaizens and and the participation. You um, know, I think that speaks to the role your senior leaders play. And, and maybe let me ask you, you know, one other thing. Since you know the, the new addition here is the Executive Guide to Healthcare Kaizen, what are some of the, the best things that your senior leaders do that you know, others would probably want in, in happening in their own organization if they were really going to create this culture of continuous improvement? What are some of the key mindsets or activities that, that you see them doing?
1: Um, they believe in it and they uh, convey that. They message it. Um, our CEO, uh, um, at one of the recent all-employee meetings, I counted him, uh, I think it was five times that he mentioned Kaizen. So it's um, it's still important to them, um, and they convey that. It sounds like uh, they, they haven't gotten bored with it yet. <laughs> they, oh, no, and they yeah. give us time. They uh, give me and my staff time at important meetings to talk about Kaizen. They, um, they still fund the program. Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, they give our staff some of the best and brightest in the organization to work in our department. So, um, and they allow us to experiment. We're still trying new things and learning new things. It's a great experiment that we're going through to figure out how do we take this progressively to next levels. And, you know, we haven't always been successful at everything we do. One thing we're doing recently is we're trying to wean the organization off of um contests we mm-hmm. we you know we wanted to get everybody engaged, so we had these contests to you know, encourage people to participate. We've been doing about one a quarter and now we're trying to wean off of that, which everybody's kind of uh, tuned into we got these quarterly contests so they'll hold their Kaizens until the contest comes up and turn them in so we've only had two contests this year so um, interesting thing to figure out how do we move away from extrinsic motivation and move much more towards the pure intrinsic motivation of process improvement and so we're experimenting with how do we do that and we're trying a bunch of different things so I, I they let us try stuff well I, I think
0: that's you know, a really interesting topic you know, I'm, I'm sure let, we, let's do um, another podcast where we can delve into some of those other topics um you know people ask all the time about things like uh, incentives and rewards and um, uh, targets and quotas and and we, we can talk about that um, some other time and, and for those of you who are are reading one or both of the books we, we do touch on that topic um, in in the book um, maybe a you know, final thought um, to wrap up here uh, you know you're talking about some of the the things that you're working on um, you know they like said trying to Focus more, getting things back to in, intrinsic motivation, uh, keeping momentum going, keeping participation going. Um, one, one thing I'm impressed with, I think, with the approach you all are taking is when you look at some of the the results of, you know, the percentage of people participating, which I think last year was, well, gosh, here, let me flip into the book. I think it was about 40% participation. Yeah. Um uh, more than you know, about 4,000 uh, ideas, and I think most organizations would would. Uh, and it's worth celebrating. Most most organizations are, are are very very impressed with those numbers. But the one thing I'm impressed with is how you all I think are trying to continue pushing forward and you know looking at some of those participation rates and and not blaming the people who aren't participating and trying to figure out. Um, what you can do as leaders to get more people participating. So what, what are some of the things that you anticipate doing or that you're working on um, to bring those goals up to you know, that participation rate? Do you think it can get as high as 70% or 80%? What What would you see as the ideal that you're working towards?
1: Yeah, I, I think my boss is asking us to eventually get it as high as 80%. Mm-hmm. I, I think we can, we can get there. I, I think you're right you have to keep it positive. Um, we, we wow. try to lift the high performers. We don't talk about the low performers. We just keep, um, talking about the high performers and the departments that are doing great things and lots of success stories to keep the momentum and the energy high. Um, you know, I'm not sure how we're going to get to 80%, but yeah, really it's all about creating that culture. So, um, doing whatever it takes to create that culture where all our employees are engaged every day in the search, the search for how do we make this better? How do we make this little thing better and this little thing better? And if we could collectively figure out how to do that, I think we can transform our little microcosm in our hospital. And that's going to make us much more competitive, um, make everybody's job more secure uh, and provide better. Care for our patients and their families, which is what we're all really trying to do.
0: Well, you're you're absolutely right, and I mean that that comes through so loud and clear when you you look at the types of Kaiser improvements people are working on, the um, the leadership approach um, that that you and and that your senior leaders and departmental leaders are taking. Uh, It's very impressive. So I really do encourage people. Um, if, if they haven't read the book yet, I mean, you know, Joe and his organization, um, you know, deserve so much credit for all the great examples and um, ideas that that are in the book, um, you know, that that, that recognize, yeah, that's why I felt honored to, to be able to work with, with you and partner with uh, the other folks at, at Franciscan Joe. So, you know, thanks again. Uh, thank you publicly for, um, you know, for that partnership with the book and, you um, you know, thank you for being part of the podcast today. Do you have any final thoughts that, that you might want to share?
1: No, uh, thank you, Mark, um, for believing in this and uh, seeing the value and for taking it to a national level. I, I think it's going to have an impact on healthcare. and And thanks for all the listeners. Sure, appreciate your time today.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Joe. Hopefully we can do this again
1: soon. That'd be great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for listening.